Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by uh, Inside Texas analyst and commentator, uh, Paul Wadlington. Uh, Paul, uh, we've been talking football on these podcasts every Saturday morning, uh, but the Longhorns have a big basketball game tonight at 645. Uh, you know, we they got a, they're taking on Penn State, a team that is a late riser of sorts, uh, got themselves into the uh, Big Ten championship game, uh, really went on a run near the end of the season. Uh, it, it seems to me that Texas is going to have their hands full uh, tonight on CBS. There's no doubt. Uh, if I'm sure Texas fans watch the Penn State, Texas A&M game for, for many reasons, not just to find out their next opponent. And uh, I, I wrote this up on Inside Texas. Uh, obviously, if you're a YouTube viewer and you're not a member of Inside Texas, I think you're missing out. But I, I just thought Micah Shrewsbury put together a masterful game plan. And more than having a great game plan, hey, you know, coaches come up with great game plans in their mind all the time. He was able to teach it and his players were able to implement it. And he just exposed Texas A&M. You know, I, I saw post-game talking heads attributing it to shooting, you know, like shooting just falls from heaven. Like there's not a context for your shooting. And they talked about psychology. That's not what happened. A coaching clinic got put on and and Buzz Williams tried to play Penn State like they were another SEC team that can't shoot, uh, which is what AM is. AM is a team of really good athletes with a lot of quickness, a lot of athletic ability, and they score their points on offensive rebounds, on slashing drives to the basket, and at the free throw line, where they're an excellent free throw shooting team. Well, Penn State said, we're not going to have a defensive game plan for your individual players. We're going to attack your entire, entire style of play. So Shrewsbury told his defense, don't foul. Pack the lane and don't foul. Penn State committed 11 fouls, Bobby, the entire game. No Penn State player had more than two. That was the plan. And in fact, the sideline reporter went over to Shrewsbury and said, how's it going so far, coach? And he goes, as long as we don't foul, we're good. And so that was huge. They packed the paint. They told AM, shoot the ball. By all means, shoot the ball. We don't think you can shoot. We're not going to put you on the free throw line. And unlike a lot of three-point shooting teams who want to get out in transition, they went and found a body every time AM put the ball up. And that's how AM, which is a good rebounding team, and Penn State's a bad rebounding team. That's why Penn State didn't get slaughtered on the boards. They made a point of going and, and prioritizing offensive rebounds over the theoretical transition basket they could get in the three-point break. That's the defense, which was masterful, the game plan. We haven't even touched on the offense. What, what did you see, Bobby? Uh, you know, I, I felt like Jerry Hamill was talking about uh, Shrewsbury being a disciple of Brad Stevens, uh, the former Butler coach, now the GM of the uh, Boston Celtics. I, I, I think, is he GM or president? I can't remember the term, but – uh, long, long and short of it for me, Paul, is that um, A&M went in kind of on a roll, uh, only lost three conference games, and then they got rolled by 17. I was looking at it um, like many people sometimes do. There's a there's a German word for watching a car wreck. You know, people that just sometimes want to see bad things happen or uh, un unsavory things occur. Well, that term is schadenfreude. And that's what watching AM basketball was for me on Thursday night. Um, I, it, it looked like a car wreck. It looked like 
it was, I thought it was going to be, wow, Rodney Terry is playing, coaching for his job against Texas's arch nemesis, arch rival in Texas A&M. That didn't come to pass uh, precisely because of Penn State and, and what they were able to do. So I, I was looking at it through a different lens, not so much that analytical, hey, this, this basketball game versus that basketball game. Um, let, let me, let's go a little bit further. How does Texas tonight stack up uh, and attack uh, Penn State and vice versa? How might Penn State try to, to attack Texas? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, I have great news for Texas fans. We, we are a much more multifaceted, uh, flexible basketball team than Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a one-trick pony. And frankly, Buzz Williams, who is a pretty good coach, he thought he could treat Penn State like they were playing Mississippi State, a bunch of bricklayers, and he was just going to double the ball. By the way, the ball's in the lane because Jalen Pickett is taking his booty and, and driving down in the lane, turning around and running point guard 14 feet from the basket. And, and that's something A&M didn't understand. They thought they, they could just treat it like, you know, you're going to ball pressure or double 22 feet from the basket and, and get the ball out of the hands of a primary ball handler. Penn State is begging for you to double team and come off of one of their shooters, Funk being the primary guy who went eight for 10 from three. Uh, they are a contrarian offense. So Texas has its work cut out for them. We can talk about that. I think the real thing that favors Texas is that Penn State, they defend by game plan. They don't defend with great individual defenders and athletes. They don't have time to put in a game plan for Texas. And Texas it ain't easy to game plan because when you've got Serge Jabari Rice, Marcus Carr, Hunter, uh, DeSue, who has become a real scoring threat, uh, even, even Christian Bishop is a very active post player, both running around on the offensive boards, but also making the correct pass. You saw him do that a couple of times against Colgate uh, that led to an easy hoop. Texas is a multifaceted team. You can't just slap together some basic rules for your team defense to follow as they did against AM. Now, they're going to have something, but ultimately they're going to have to get out and defend Texas players. And uh, they want to play small ball. I don't think Texas minds playing small ball. And then we can introduce real moments of four or five minute stretches of big ball with DeSue where we can punish them and not necessarily get punished for it on the other end. That makes sense. Um, speaking with Paul Wadlington of InsightTexas.com, uh, Paul uh, gives his analysis and insight, uh, not only on basketball, but especially on football uh, as well. Paul, uh, we're talking uh, today about the Longhorns. Um, I haven't talked to you since last week and had a real chance to digest what happened in that first week of spring practice. Based on what you're hearing and have heard, what are a couple of your key takeaways? Well, I think the key takeaways is we have a real um, disagreement and tension about edge play. 
Like I, I think there's a lot of people that are optimists that say, Hey, we've forgotten. We tend to always forget the recruiting class that is most immediately on campus, yeah. right? The Jamon taps and all those guys. And, and we might be overlooking those guys as, Hey, they've had a year to nurture and grow and they're going to continue to grow into fall camp. And uh, you know, edge, isn't going to be a big problem for Texas, or it's going to be dramatically improved. I think that's Eric Naline's position. And then I think there's other people that are more of the show me variety that are a little concerned. And I think, yeah, Bobby Burton being one of them. I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I, you know, I hate to be the milk toast fence sitter. Uh, I usually don't lack for an opinion, but I just kind of want to see what fall practice looks like, frankly, and, and also the second portion of spring. Because I do think that there is a, a possibility for some of these young guys to come along. Uh, and, and also, Baron Sorrell's getting better. Uh, and Bobby, you know that, and you, you talked about it with me last time. Uh, that's going to be very helpful for Texas. I think the key is, I just don't want any guys out there where you go, what are we going to do about fill in the blank? Yeah. And, and as long as you don't have that guy out there, you can be pretty good on defense. Let me ask you this. What did you think of Baron Sorrell the first six weeks of last season? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, you know, he, he was fine. You know, I, I think you, you almost want to answer based on what your expectations were. And I didn't have necessarily high expectations. So that, that's what I'm saying to you. That's my expectation of the other, the other, the other side. Yeah. Is yeah. it's not that I, it's like, I think, I think Baron Sorrell is moving to a plus asset of, of the uh, football team uh, from being a young guy. That's just getting his feet. He is clearly on that Ascension. Texas is going to be putting someone in Ovia Gufu's place that may or may not be even ready that ready yet at this point. And so the first six weeks of next season, I I'm more concerned than I am the last six. And that's because of what you're talking about uh, with, you know, you do expect to see some guys start to come on a little bit uh, to fill out their frames, to understand the speed of the game, what offenses are trying to do to them. And that's where I come out. out. It's not that I think any of those guys aren't talented. I do think they're talented. I think they're, I think they're definitely sick, at least six football games away from being legit. That's yeah, my, I, that's my opinion. I think that's very fair. Uh, I would say the other thing is we as Texas fans tend to be critical, right? Capital C critical. And we tend to focus and over-focus on the areas of weakness or perceived, um, you know, unknowns. We may sometimes forget the bigger picture, which is this team's going to have a lot of strengths and you play your season in a context, which is you play the other teams on your schedule. And I've been doing a deep dive on the Big 12 uh, and releasing sort of little program temperature checks. I'm going to continue to do that, obviously, through the spring and, and early summer. And 
you know, Texas is going to be the best team in the Big 12. So whatever our, our weaknesses, that's going to happen within that context. Now that's going to cap ultimately what our we're, – we're not playing the Big 12 if we go to the playoffs or something like that, right? But um, that is the that is how the season is going to unfold. And so the goal is for Texas to be the best team. It can be, but it also needs to be the best team in the Big 12. And I think it's – you know, that's also how we need to kind of look at it and examine it. I'm, I'm not blown away by the competition right now. Uh, that said, we know that, you know, someone's going to rise up and, and become a, a pretty formidable team. But right now, I, I like Texas. Other teams you do like, Kansas State, I would assume, uh, potentially Oklahoma if they continue to add some pieces, maybe a Texas Tech. Yeah, maybe Tech, maybe Kansas State. Oklahoma, I'm not fully sold on. They did some work in the transfer portal, but I'm not entirely sure those guys in the transfer portal – are going to fill the need and niches that they need filled uh, to become a more complete football team. They also, speaking quite frankly, have their entire season resting on the arm and health of a five foot 11, 195 pound quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, who has missed uh, multiple seasons due to injury. And uh, although they're going to improve their backup quarterback position because they can't get any worse from what we saw last year, uh, any game where Dylan Gabriel is out is probably a very close game or an L for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. They couldn't really get much done in the run game last year either, even when they had to focus on it. Uh, and that offensive line is losing a couple of pieces too. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, speaking to Paul Wadlington of InsideTexas.com, uh, talking about Longhorn football and uh, basketball. Uh, Paul, I want to finish up uh, maybe this segment uh, or this uh, 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 interview uh, with a little bit more football talk. And, and my question for you on uh, football is, as it relates to Texas is, do you see any way um, Texas moves around some people in the secondary? I've mentioned Ryan Watts is a guy that started every game last year for Texas. Good player. Well, did I mean, Terrence Brooks, like he's going to be fantastic. Gavin Holmes started two years at corner at Wake Forest. Uh, anything else in the secondary that's like you want to see to, to note in the second half of spring practice? So where Watts will assert himself and I think make a difference is when the pads come on and it's tackle scrimmages because Ryan Watts supporting the edge uh, is a very different thing than Gavin Holmes yep. or, or maybe even Terrence Brooks, although Brooks is pretty physical. Uh, to your larger point, Bobby, we have some depth at corner. I know they're trying Austin Jordan also at the nickel. Uh, Jade Barron, I love. Uh, if we get enough answers at corner, do you want to move Ryan Watts to safety? Maybe. I don't. I don't know that you're going to upgrade necessarily over Jaron Thompson. Uh, and I don't. You know, Jalen Catalan. I guess that would be the, the question. If he gets injured, then do you want to make that move? That's the tough thing with Catalan, right? It's. It's not so much that we – look, if he's back, it, it, he elevates the Longhorn secondary. He's he's a All-American level type performer. But if he's back through the spring and the fall and the first two games of the season and then he gets hurt and you haven't developed the, the position behind him or made that move with Watts already, that's a that's a conundrum for Texas, right? Because he's, he's robbed you of all those first-team developmental snaps through the spring and, and, and summer. 
Yeah, Catalan is an interesting call because you just don't know what his injury, with his injuries history, how long you're going to be able uh, to count on him. Uh, but we'll, I guess we'll see. Uh, one of the positive things I, I heard recently was Keaton Crawford actually making some uh, uh, true progress at safety. If that's the case, uh, that if that's truly the case, we just uh, Keaton has always been a, a, sl a step slow to diagnose some things, I think. Um, and that would be a, a big news for the Longhorns. Yeah, uh, that's a nice way of saying it. You know, he's he's been danger Will Robinson a few times, lost in space, right? Yep. So yep. Uh, if, if that turns on, I mean, Keaton Crawford's like next-level athlete. He, he is. I mean, in fact, when I saw that last year, I was like, I wonder if we should just move this back, guy back to offense, you know, because he was a real threat. Uh, with the ball in his hands in high school. Uh, but yeah, if he's, if he's turning it on, look, it's all good news in the secondary, you know, only, only Texas fans fret about having too many good bodies, right? <laughs> it's, it's a good problem to have. Uh, and the truth is good programs have really talented players who aren't getting playing time. Uh, that's the nature of these programs. And we certainly saw that with Georgia this year. Oh, their defense is devastated. Oh, how are they going to, feel the defense well they they have apparently had some guys waiting that were pretty decent so uh look the other thing about the secondary that's encouraging at least to me bobby is you want that cohesion you want those guys working together and knowing each other but it is a, a an area where depth really can help you and particularly when you're playing a team that's going to throw it 55 times uh it's great to run those guys in and out of there and everyone gets snaps everyone plays and look, guys are going to get dinged through the course of a season. It's wonderful to have those Aaron Ross, you know, era secondaries where if a guy went out, the guy replacing him was as good or better. He was just a year younger. So I'm all for it. Sign me up for depth in the secondary. And I assume the, the, the cream will rise to the top. I have one more question for you. But first, please tell uh, folks about our sponsor, Gabe Winslow. Well, it's March Madness, Bobby, but a lot of people experience mortgage madness year-round. And uh, in a time of upsets, you don't want to be upset about your mortgage guy, Bobby. You want the best, and that's Gabe Winslow. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. He is a generous sponsor of this podcast. But more than that, he's damn good at what he does. He's got 20 years in the industry, law degree. Uh, he's just excellent at what he does. And uh, if you reach out and talk to Gabe at Mortgages by Gabe, you're not going to regret it. Gotcha. Uh, I, we appreciate his uh, continued support of On Texas Football. One last question before we let you go, Paul. What's your prediction for tonight? I like the horns. Uh, I don't like giving up five points to a contrarian three-point shooting team that, you know, you could be leading comfortably, you know, up nine with two minutes left, and all of a sudden it's a one-point ball game, Bobby. So I hate giving away five, but I think Texas is the better basketball team on balance. And and if our staff saw the same thing that I saw and understands that Jalen Pickett is a ball dominating distributor who can, he will control the game in ways that we've not seen from any other opposing player all year. So we've got to have a good plan for him. And by all means, don't leave Andrew Funk alone at the three point line. <laughs> don't help off Andrew Funk. How about that piece of scouting report for you, Bobby? That there you go. Um, here, here's my thought process on it. I'm rooting for the horns, uh, not only for Texas, uh, but for Rodney Terry as well. 
uh, because I think if he wins this game, he cements his future as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. All right, for Paul Wadlington, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football Saturday. Take care. Thank you for watching. For more videos on Texas football, recruiting, and other sports, make sure you click the like button and subscribe to the channel to get the very latest updates. Uh, thank you for watching again and hook them.